following is a presentation of Artisan Church in Rochester, New York. We have had a pretty intense season of Advent this year. You may recall if you've been here, and if you haven't, you're about to find out that our theme during Advent this year, 2014, was despair and hope in our city. We've been trying to look at the realities that are present in Rochester and juxtapose those with the realities that are present in Scripture and try to hold those things together um, and to observe and witness and um, dwell in the tension between despair and hope. Um, These sermons, I imagine, have been pretty hard to listen to They have been hard to preach. Uh, To recap, the the, the last three weeks, this is what we have discussed. In the first week of Advent, we talked about structural racism and a little bit about spiritual gifts. In the second week, we talked about infant mortality and about the biblical theme from the lectionary passages that week, which was repentance. Repentance. Last week, Marielle gave a beautiful, touching sermon on captivity and rescue and spoke specifically about the captivity that she and others have felt with eating disorders. So these themes have been very difficult, and if if you're wondering how those two things on any one of those occasions could possibly have matched together, um, I would encourage you to go listen to the podcast um, because we had great sharing from Dr. Melody Boyd the first couple of weeks about some of the realities of the statistics that are um, present in Rochester and trying to, to wrestle with those realities and, and also wrestle with the words of Scripture has been, I think, like I said, pretty intense for all of us. So this week, we are going to talk about ponies and puppies <laughs> and kittens. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, something for everybody. That's not actually true. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but <laughs> yes, I am the Grinch. Yeah. Um, but no, we've been exposed to a ton of factual information about despair. And we've had um, these really kind of like very quick, intense uh, exposures to Scripture and the themes that are there. But we haven't done much during the season of Advent, ironically, is to engage in, in any kind of active waiting. We've talked about the idea that the uh, crises that we see in the world around us make us long for Christ's return. We've talked about the fact that we are in a world that makes us wait we haven't actually practiced waiting. And in fact, because the pace has been so frantic, I think it may have, on some occasions at least, had the opposite effect of what what we typically think of when we come to Advent, which is slowing down, as the song said, and waiting for Jesus to arrive. And so today, we are going to take our foot off the gas We're going to slow down, we're going to listen, 
and we are going to wait. And uh, the way we're going to do that, and some of you who've been at Artisan for a long time are, are probably already waiting for me to say the words I'm about to say, <laughs> uh, is that we're going to practice together a community spiritual discipline uh, called Lectio Divina. This is something that we do maybe two or three times a year as a community. I think it is one of the most powerful uh, and meaningful spiritual disciplines that's available to us. Certainly in my own life, it has been something that has shaped my understanding of the scriptures and who God is and what my role in the world is more than any other. And I like it because it's, it's a, a, a practice that engages us both in reading the Bible and in prayer at the same time. And there's this back and forth flow between those two things and they inter- interweave. And um, if you've never done this before, this will be your first time with, with Lectio Divina. Um, I think you are in for a treat. This may be a little bit beyond your comfort zone if you're not familiar with this kind of contemplative practice. Uh, I encourage you just to keep an open mind and open heart and, and try to uh, engage with it the best you can. It's not something that you have to be an expert to do, though, so I think that you can probably um, have a positive experience this, even if it's your first time. And when, when we do this corporately, we typically uh, pause along the way to get a little bit of feedback from people, and sometimes those who've done it more often uh, are more familiar with it can can help us along in the process. So if you don't know what Lectio Divina is, that's a Latin phrase that just means sacred reading. And uh, what what you do in Lectio Divina is you take a passage of scripture and you read it four times. That is, there are four readings of the same passage. When we do this corporately in an effort to be a little bit more efficient, we truly just read the thing one time through for each stage of the reading. But when you do this on your own, it's probably more appropriate to allot a period of time for each reading, and that during that time you may read the passage more than once. Does that make sense? Uh, so I'll give you what the four stages of Lectio Divina are up front, and then we'll actually do them one at a time. And as I said, there'll be a little bit of back and forth, which I think will help us uh, engage with the text and with the practice in a way that might be helpful. The first one is called simply Lectio, which means reading. And in the first reading, our goal is to read the passage and understand what's going on. You're reading it a little bit for information, for comprehension. And typically what happens as you uh, center yourself and um, prepare to hear from God during that first reading is that certain words or phrases rise to the top as you read. Um, I often say that they seem to glow on the page. Now, I don't have like uh, sensory hallucinations when I do Lectio Divina. That's not what I mean. But some words do seem to stand out a little bit more. And during that first reading, I want you to pay attention to that. The second reading is called Meditatio, which... You could pretty easily uh, extrapolate that word into English by adding an N, and it's, a, it's meditation. It's rumination. The uh, image which is often used by the masters is that of a cow chewing its cud, which is kind of gross. But if you want to think about rumination, that's what that word means. You're turning the words over and over in your heart, and your mind, not literally in your mouth, but um, as you're making that second reading... 
you uh, want to pay a special attention to the words that rose to the top during the first reading. And you want to begin to think and ponder, what does this mean? And uh, you can use all your typical Bible study skills if you have them, but you don't really need any to, to accomplish this. And the third stage is, uh, and these, by the way, get slightly more difficult as you go, in my opinion, is oratio, which uh, Latin scholars will know means what? That's right, prayer. <laughs> if you went to Roberts Wesleyan College, as I did, the school motto is ora et labora, which means pray and work. Um, oratio is prayer. So how does reading become prayer? Well, again, you're going to be allowing those key words and phrases and parts of the passage to um, wash over you some more. And if you, if you uh, are finding something specific that you want to be asking of God or saying to God or anything like that, you can do that. But remember that prayer uh, traditionally is a two-way conversation, and so perhaps it's more likely that you would be practicing a listening prayer. In other words, asking God, what are you trying to say to me through this passage, through these words that are glowing for me right now? And then the fourth one is the uh, simplest but the most difficult, in my opinion, is contemplatio, contemplation, which means, very simply, you're going to sit back and wait. If, like me, you would prefer to be doing something, to be, like, you know, working out the calculus of the passage, thinking about how you're going to apply it, or preach it, in my case, or the blog post you want to write, or the Twitter thing that you want to make, you have to push all that stuff back away from you when you're in this contemplatio stage and allow yourself simply to be with the text and be with the Holy Spirit and uh, contemplate the experience you've had in the previous three stages. So that's Lectio Divina in a nutshell. So the passage that we're going to use today is the gospel passage assigned to the fourth Sunday of Advent, which is from Luke chapter 1, 46 through 55, which is the Magnificat. This is Mary's prayer upon hearing that she will be the mother of Jesus. I would um, encourage you, if you are a visual person, to open one of the Red Bibles to this page, or your own Bible if you brought it, or find it on your Kindle or whatever you've got. If you are not a visual person, it's perfectly okay to listen um, and here's something that I did not remember to arrange. So if it doesn't work out, it's, it's okay. I will read this if I need to. However, it is the Magnificat, and having a dude read it seems a little bit misplaced to me. If there is a woman in the room who is comfortable reading in front of people on 10 seconds notice, I would love it very much if you would be willing to do that. That's a pretty big ask. Yes, thank you. Devin, would you come up and read it from the microphone? Um, We'll get this one live for you in just a second, and uh, you can use this stand if you'd like. So, it's Devin, right? Yes. We met like 10 minutes ago, and <laughs> it's my pastor brain just... <laughs> um, so, uh, as Devin reads this for the first time, remember we're reading for information. We're trying to comprehend what's going on, and we're looking for that word or phrase that tends to glow off the page. Go ahead, please. The Southern Mary rendition. The Southern Mary, Yes. <laughs> Mary's Song of Praise. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely 
From now, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Thank you. Would you stay and read it again in a minute? Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah, if you wouldn't mind. Welcome. You're part of the team now. <laughs> um, so I want to pause after that first reading and uh, ask if anybody's willing to share what was the word or phrase that seemed to rise to the top for you during that Lectio stage of reading. You don't have to understand anything or have an application of any kind at this point. Just shout out the phrase. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones, lifted up the lowly. Mercy and strength. My spirit rejoices in God my Savior. Generations. So this always happens when we do Lectio Divina communally. You can see already the many different directions individuals in this room are going to go with this text. I, in my, it's my belief led by the Holy Spirit. Um, this, is, this is a very personalized approach to Scripture, different for each one of us, and so sharing with each other is important. Um, anybody else want to share before we move on to the second stage? Promise. He looked with favor. You see how when you slow down with the scripture a little bit, you start to notice things that you might not have noticed if you just read it quickly over your coffee this morning. All right, so in the second stage of reading, we are practicing meditatio. Again, this is the rumination stage. You are going to begin to contemplate what, why these words? Why this phrase? What does this text have for me right now? And you may not have seen something, you may not have had a word or phrase that jumped to the top for you in the first reading. It sometimes happens in the second reading. Sometimes it doesn't happen at all. And all you're ruminating on is, why am I here? Um, that's a, that is a valid um, response to this kind of thing. So... Um, Would you read it once again, please? And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm, He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. 
He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham, and to his descendants forever. I'll give you just a minute to keep contemplating that. This becomes a little bit more intimate as we go along, but I wonder if anybody would be willing to share what your experience in that second stage was. Was there some realization that you made or some understanding that you gained or some question that rose that you had no answer for? Hmm. Yeah, thank you. So Avila's translation says humble, where this one says lowly, and so it reminded her of the conversation following the July 64 documentary um, that we showed a few weeks ago about humbleness as a first step toward righting the wrongs. Humility. Yeah, thank you for sharing. Elliot. Interesting, interesting. So the prayer starts out with a realization of her own blessedness, but very quickly transitions into a kind of a reflective blessing God and rejoicing. Interesting. Thank you for sharing that. For he sure. has yeah. Thank you. That's a wonderful observation. We need more um, English teachers to approach the text with us. <laughs> um, those repetitions matter, just as they do in poetry. Um, all right. Thirty-second soapbox. I think every person who wants to read and understand the scripture should take a college-level literature class, at least one. That includes you, science nerds. <laughs> English minor, whoa. Yeah, you're an enigma, Angela. We know. 
But in all seriousness, I, I really, really believe this. You cannot understand the scriptures if you cannot understand poetry. Um, all right, off the soapbox. Back to Lectio, back to uh, Meditatio. <laughs> Anybody else? Maybe one more person. Yes, Brian. Yeah, so sometimes when you slow down with Scripture, you, you start to notice things that make you uncomfortable that you could have glossed over before and might have again if you hadn't slowed down with it. And Brian's specifically talking about, uh, she seems to be expressing joy at the fact that people are being laid low. Um, and who is it, by the way, who's being laid low in this passage? The rich and powerful, right? Yeah. Um, which, you know, some of us politically might like to see the rich and powerful laid low and might have joy in that, but I... I So the, the possibility exists that the rich are being brought down and the, the poor are being brought up and then there's this level leveling of the playing field in that text. So this is the kind of thing that happens when, when you slow down and start to ruminate on the text. All right. This third one, um, the third reading in Lectio Divina is oratio, which means what, Latin scholars? Prayer, that's right. Um, and remember, prayer is that two-way street, so it may be a listening prayer. You may be inclined during this reading simply to quiet your mind, stop the rumination, and listen to what God might be saying to you. You might, on the other hand, have something that you very much want to say to God right now, having had this experience with the text so far. Either one is okay, and there may be some of both. It's at this point that I try to remind people that um, or, or warn people that there, uh, you get some, some bleed from one type of reading to the other around this time, usually. Usually you'll find yourself um, doing contemplatio and you think, oh no, I'm supposed to be praying. Uh, don't beat yourself up too much over that. It happens to everybody, even people who've been practicing this discipline for years, that you tend to slide back and forth between these, these readings. And that's okay. Just notice it. Forgive yourself for the digression and, and then refocus yourself on, on prayer. Um, so, one more time, if you will, please, Devin. And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior, for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. 
He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. Take a minute and finish your prayer. This third stage invites us into still more intimacy with God, and therefore it may be even more difficult and challenging to share with a group of people what your experience was, but I wonder if there's anybody who is willing to share with us what your prayer was during this reading. Beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. I won't try to repeat any of it. <laughs> it's a beautiful prayer. Did anybody else have a prayer? Your prayer may have been quite a bit shorter than that one. <laughs> Again, he's been composing that prayer since the, mi- the middle of our service. So. <laughs> yes, our. Uh, said that her prayer was asking God to help her eyes be open to to seeing these things that Mary saw, but in her own life, uh, to to notice them. Yes, Anna. beautiful reminder that um, when you are obedient to God and doing the things that God's calling you to do, sometimes you tend to gravitate toward pride in that. And yet the, uh, the acclamation here is that she's lowly, that she's humble. And the intent is that her soul is to magnify the Lord. So Anna's asking, she's praying that that would be true in her own life. Yeah. So ought we all. Yes, Ross. 
Yeah, I think your response there and the prayer that it led to is a great example of how this this process plays out because you begin by realizing that Mary is pregnant and unmarried in a culture where that is punishable by death. And then you see this tension, this juxtaposition with her saying that she is blessed. And then for you, I'm hearing you say it became a prayer um, that all of us would see ourselves as blessed even in times when circumstances might indicate the opposite. Yeah, that's quite a process to get to that point in a text like this. Thank you for sharing that. Maybe one more prayer. Yes, Brian. Yeah, that's a beautiful prayer uh, of lament. It sounds like that that the hearts of the oppressors are so hard that they that they can continue, they can persist in doing the things that they're doing, um, but that they deserve grace even if they won't accept it, even if they don't, even if they, they don't deserve grace, but they ought to receive it. Is is what I hear you saying? Is that right? Yeah. And sometimes, I mean that. Um, you know, I could jokingly say, "Okay, so what's your prayer?" <laughs> but, but just like that jumble of confusion and frustration is prayer. Giving voice to that is a prayer. Thank you. I would like to move us now to the last reading. I, th- I chuckled to myself. I'll do lectio divina. That will mean that the poor teachers, for once, will not have to wait quite so long for their parents to come, parents to come retrieve the children. But um, you guys are just too insightful. Um, so the last stage of Lectio Divina is contemplatio. Contemplation, remember, picture yourself sitting under a tree on a sunny day and just feeling the breeze of the Spirit go by. You're just uh, dwelling in the experience you've had. You don't have to process anything anymore. You don't have to do any more work, except that it is a little bit of work to keep yourself from trying to do all those other things. Uh, simply sit and reflect on the experience as Devin reads this one final time. And Mary said... My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. 
for he has looked with favor on the lowliness of his servant. Surely, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the Mighty One has done great things for me, and holy is his name. His mercy is for those who fear him from generation to generation. He has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in their thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the powerful from their thrones and lifted up the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, according to the promise he made to our ancestors, to Abraham and to his descendants forever. I'll give you a minute just to finish that last reading. I already shared with you that this stage of Lectio Divina is the hardest one for me because I don't like not doing something with the text. It can also be the hardest to articulate what your experience was. That being said, perhaps there's somebody who would be willing to share what your experience was with that stage of reading. That's okay. Going once, twice. Okay. Um, well, thank you, Devin, on the spot for coming up and reading that first four times. Um, did a wonderful job. Um, yeah, you can clap for the reading. That's okay. <laughs> Takes courage to do that on the fly. Um, but now next time I see you, I'll know she can read without any warning. <laughs> um, well, I hope that that was meaningful for you. What I want to also do this morning, very briefly, is give you something to do in these last few days before Christmas. Because it's not enough, isn't it, is it, to just spend 20 minutes waiting and listening on Sunday. I would like you to do it again um, preferably more than once, before you get to Christmas, to spend some time slowing down and waiting and listening. And so there are two ways that you can go about this. You can do it one, one way or both ways. The first way we've just done is to practice Lectio Divina again on your own. You could repeat the passage that we used this morning, but I would actually recommend that you go back to one of the readings from last week, the key passage for our series from which we get this phrase, bind up the brokenhearted, is Isaiah 61, 1 through 4, and then 8 through 11. You could do Electro Divina with that passage, and it would probably be a very powerful experience because it's, the language is so rich, so poetic, so powerful. Um, and the second way is actually a new discipline. Well, it was uh, new to me recently. and probably be new to you. It's actually a very ancient discipline. And normally I wouldn't introduce a brand new spiritual discipline uh, at 11.20 on a Sunday morning. <laughs> and ask you to put it into practice this week without trying it. But the, the fact is, this is so, so simple that anybody can do it without any practice at all. Um, anybody who can write. It's called scribing, which is a, tran- a short for transcribing. Right? And all you do is you copy the words of Scripture by hand. 
Um, I've had a really good experience trying this discipline out in my own life over the past few months. It definitely slows you down because you can't write as fast as you can read, especially if you write by hand. Do not type. Write by hand. Um, that's what the monks did, by the way. If you went to a monastery in the Middle Ages prior to the printing press, your job was to copy scripture all day, every day. That's why we have so many copies of the New Testament that are so reliable and in agreement with each other because it was serious business making these copies. Um, so to start out with this, I would recommend using one of these two passages, either the Magnificat passage, particularly if you were very moved by it this morning, you might try it, or you could do the Isaiah passage that I recommended uh, just a moment ago as a subject for Lexio Divina. Uh, and it's just very simple. Just copy down the words and see what happens in your heart as you do that. It, it can be pretty meaningful. So um, which one do you think you'd like to try? Show of hands, uh, who, do you th- who thinks that you will probably try another Lexio Divina between now and Christmas? That is not very many of you. You're busy people, I know. It takes a little, little bit of time. Who thinks that you might try this scribing thing between now and Christmas? Yeah. Um, if you've never done this before, I had never done it until very recently. It's, it's pretty neat. It's a pretty, pretty significant discipline, can be. All right. Good. So let me pray for us briefly before we open the communion table. God, we thank you for the words of Scripture, and, and we do want so much to be shaped by them in our own lives. Uh, thank you for this time when we can slow down and um, listen and wait on this last Sunday of Advent before Christmas arrives. I pray that uh, your Spirit would continue to speak into our lives, would speak to our hearts and our minds and our souls, that we would be um, called to new actions and have the courage to take them, that we would be given new understandings and the wisdom to process them, that in all things we would be subject to your word, your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, in whose name we pray. Amen. Uh, our communion table will be open during our last couple of songs this morning. We will also have a prayer, personalized prayer available in this corner of the room. If you'd like to receive prayer, you can do that. Uh, at Artisan, our table is open to all who are following Jesus. I, I like this beautiful little meditation. I'll just read it to you in, by way of opening the table this morning. This is not the table of the church, but of the Lord. It is to be made ready for those who love him and who want to love him more. So come, you who have much faith and you who have little, you who have been here often and you who have not been for a very long time, you who have tried to follow and you who have failed, come, not because it is I who invite you, it is our Lord. It is His will that those who want Him should meet Him here. Our table's open. Let's continue to worship God together this morning. Amen. For more information, visit us at artisanchurch.com.